the ice with the seals and I start to see the ice cracking around me and so I could see some uh, drift in the ice and I was like okay it's interesting so I was okay I'm, I'm going to call them to let them know so they can come maybe a little earlier um, and I realized that the radio didn't work because the battery didn't work Hi, my name is uh, Eloise Framwy. I'm a bioacoustician, currently a postdoctoral research associate with the UCAR in Colorado in support of NOAA Fisheries. Um, and I'm currently working at the Southeast Fisheries Science Center in Miami, in the US. Hey, my name is Liz, and welcome back to Below the Tide. Below the Tide is a podcast that I started where I wanted to make marine science more accessible. So I give marine experts a platform, a space where they can share their research in an easy to understand way, make it more digestible for the general public for those who may or may not have a science background. Every week, we sit down with a marine expert and I also put out resources with each episode. So that means that if there's certain definitions or images of things that you want to see, that kind of thing, you can definitely check those out. They're always posted on my Instagram and Twitter at Below the Tide Pod. This week, we are sitting down with Eloise for part two of our interview. If you haven't listened to episode 16, definitely go back and check that one out because you'll get an intro to seals and sea lions and it'll kind of give you a bit more context for this episode. But other than that, I hope you grab a coffee and enjoy. Oh, and also before you even hit play and start listening to this episode, go to my Instagram or Twitter page at below the tide pod to see what hooded seals look like because that's what we're talking about today and you really have to see a picture of them to fully understand how cool of an animal this is. Okay, have fun. I saw that you did a little bit of research with the hooded seals. Yes, so, so this one, um, this project is a little different because um, for the birded seal, it was part of uh, um, a contract uh, and mm-hmm. uh, a project through JASCO. The hooded seal was kind of uh, a side project. It's what I call my pet project. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so it's actually a funny story. So. Um, Hooded seals, it's a very interesting seal and it's very difficult to study because um, they are, they are, it's a migratory seal species and it inhabits the North Atlantic, but the habitats of the hooded seals, it's difficult to survey during certain time of the year because they are inaccessible, um, mainly due to the um, EV like ice and because oh. they are always in a remote area zone and so it's requires some um, icebreaker and or some helicopters uh, to go near to them or to studying them so because of that uh, uh, the information on the um, hooded seal distribution uh, has been only provided by the shore-based observation some captures of tag individuals some um, vessel surveys aerial surveys and also more using some satellite telemetry methods. Um, mm-hmm. But we still have some uh, significant gap uh, in our knowledge about these studies, species. Uh, so uh, I was thinking that we could 
might be address those using long-term passive acoustic monitoring. Mm -hmm. So using some um, recorders trying to define where they go, when, so better understanding their migration. Um, but the issue when you do passive acoustic monitoring, as I explained, you need to know the sounds produced by the species <laughs> that you are looking <laughs> for. And because there are very few data on the uh, hooded seal uh, underwater calls, um, and as I said, it's because of the limited access by researcher right. um, to their um, pike ice habitat and uh, the difficulty uh, of accessing them when they uh, are during the mating period. So, so uh, in 2017, I went to uh, the uh, Marine Mammal Conference that was happening in Halifax at the time, mm. and I um, talked to a researcher, a steel specialist, um, uh, Dr. Mike Amil, who I knew before because I did all my field, most of my field work with him during my uh, PhD. Um, and I was asking if he planned to do any hooded seal field work for some tagging. Uh, and he said, oh, actually, uh, we hope to go in uh, next uh, March, so in 2018 now. Uh, and uh, if you want, you can join us. Um, so lucky me, the field work happened in 2018 uh, because um, the ice condition, both the ice condition and the weather was good enough uh, in the southern uh, Gulf of St. Lawrence at the time to allow us to use the helicopter because you need to have an helicopter to land near to the steel on oh. the bike uh, ice. So it's the only way to access them. And it's the, uh, the weather and ice condition doesn't happen very often. So we were pretty lucky that in 2018, uh, we were able to do the field work. Um, oh, wow. The other thing is because these uh, seal species stay on the ice only during the uh, pupping, nursing, and the breeding season, they are not here very long, mainly because the lactation period for this species, it's only four days. What? It's the shortest in marine mammals. So it's very difficult to have a good um, window, time window be between the weather and between when the seals are on the ice to go there. <laughs> so, but we oh. were lucky. Uh, oh so my goodness. We were so able so the, the seals, they're migrating. Where are they going to and from? They breed uh, uh, during mid to late March on the pike ice around uh, Yan Mehen, that is in David Strait and in the Gulf of St. Lawrence and of the northern coast of Newfoundland. So we know that they, um, they breed mate at this time in those area, mm -hmm. but the for breeding herds, so those um, belong to two management stock, the, what we call the Northwest Atlantic and the Northeast Atlantic. Um, okay. And those, um, uh, they, um, they migrate, uh, well, actually, the audit seal that breed in David Strait in the Gulf and the front, uh, they migrate to the southern eastern Greenland by late June or early July to molt. But oh, the hooded wow. seal in the um, in the northeast Atlantic population, so those that near whelp well, near to Yan Mayan, 
uh, eux, they go back to the pike ice, pike ice uh, east of the Greenland in July. So, sorry, it's very confusing. <laughs> it's just because <laughs> it's two uh, management stock that mm -hmm. they are not distinguished morphologically or genetically. So, actually, they are only one population, but for the uh, manage management, they consider that as two management stock. And they want to go to the um, Southern East Greenland, and the other one go to the east of Greenland. But how do they? How do they know who's going where? Do, is it like familial, or they're just so like they choose? No, I, it's the thing because you see, you don't have a, like a genetic uh, uh, distinction, so it means right. that they're probably also still going to one or the other zone. But it seems that actually the, uh, we know that the uh, seals that are going to breed in David Strait, the Gulf and the front, most of the time they will migrate to the southwest in Greenland. Those that are near to um, Jan Mayen, they will go most of the time to the east of Greenland. Um, okay. So it just like, it seems to be like that. Huh? But right. uh, the interesting part for us was trying to define the uh, sounds produced by the one in um, the Gulf of Santoran. So trying to figure if we could use the uh, passive acoustic monitoring to, to, um, to follow the migration of a species. Right. And what did you find with, the, with your research in the hooded seals population? So we didn't go to up to the population. We were just looking at the acoustic repertoire and oh, okay. we actually were able to uh, collect sounds on uh, almost for, I would say three days because uh, the um, ice condition was not good on the fourth day. But mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so we collect sounds during few hours underwater and in the air as well. And we found that the acoustic underwater acoustic repertoire was um, larger and more diverse than has been previously described because only two uh, previous published paper was looking at the underwater sounds and those paper was published in, uh, I think was, one was in 2000, no, sorry, 1973 and the other one was in 1995. Huh? So it's because it's so complicated to uh, access the animals uh, that not a lot of researcher was able to uh, record those sounds. Uh. Right. And okay, so hooded seals, they're a pretty funky looking seal um, because I guess because of their hood. Do you want to explain what the whole breathing mechanism and how that hood plays into it? Sure. So yeah, the hooded seals are my favorite weirdo. So it's awesome to work in the field with them and to just watch them. Right. So um, so as you probably saw some pictures, um, the the male um, has uh, what we call a proboscis, or the other name it's uh, the hood. So males are going to inflate the proboscis of a hood, and the inflation is going to produce a sound. They have also um, a nasal septum. So another like, um, I could say that, uh, bag inside the nose. Right. So that they are going to inflate. And so those sequences of the 
hood and septum are going to produce some sounds. And they use those sound and display because it's also a display uh, uh, to um, impress the female or oh. to just like, um, uh, how do you say that? To um, the males do that be, uh, among each other. So they can display, I'm probably better than you. And so it's just like, it's a, it's a display. Huh? So right. they do both the visual display and the acoustic display. Hmm? Oh, I see. And so, so the hood, is it being used to breathe underwater? Or is it just like kind of like a mating ritual? Uh, it seems not to be like a, a mating um, ritual um, so okay. it just, it's the display but the interesting thing is they also produce because the sounds that we um, record in the air so when they use the hood and the septum spec um, the septum they also produce similar sounds underwater so it means that they also use the hood and potentially the and or the septum underwater as well um. oh i see so because they're using Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I guess seeing that in person must be really crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny actually. Just like and the sounds that we produced the um, uh, the, um, the sorry <coughs> the the bloop sound of a ping of a whoosh. It's uh, actually very funny to to see and to hear. Right. Wow. And like just working up in the Arctic and working in this kind of remote location where you're using a helicopter and ice breaking and kind of hoping that you're gonna be there in time. Um, do you have any kind of crazy stories or anything, you know, just like- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so for this field work, so we were not using any icebreaker. We were just mm -hmm. using the helicopter. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, on the first day when we went on the ice, because the DFO team was doing some tagging and they had to take the helicopter on several occasions to, to move from a group to another group um, or from mm -hmm. uh, a female to another female because they were tagging female. Um, so we, we just decide that they will drop me at one location and we come back later to pick me up. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> they dropped me and I was on the ice and I was with my trios. So a trios, it's a, a male with seals, a female with seals and a pup. Um, so the okay. male wait near to the female until she's done with the lactation and so he can mate and leave on. And so I was there and I realized after that I didn't have any radio. <laughs> I was just <laughs> hoping that they will come back with no issue. <laughs> so that was on the first day and they came, it, it was not an issue. So on the second day we say, okay, I will take a radio with me. So I took a radio, but we didn't check for the battery. And so I was on the ice with the seals and I start to see the ice cracking around me and so I could see some uh, drift in the ice and I was like okay it's interesting so I was okay I'm, I'm going to call them to let them know so they can come maybe a little earlier 
and I realized that the radio didn't work because the battery didn't work. So I was lucky because I tried using my cell phone and I have enough uh, coverage for like a, a phone call of 10 seconds saying, ice is breaking, come. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but it, it was not like a, a death uh, um, situation. It was just like, just I was starting to become like not comfortable with the ice breaking around though. oh yeah and so they came it was not an issue on the third day it has been decided that i was staying with a group uh, and no more <laughs> no more time <laughs> by myself uh, so to prevent any uh, situation and on the fourth day um so i didn't have any chance to deploy my um underwater recorder because uh, I, I just set up for the in-air and uh, they were catching the last female that they need for their tagging, tagging study. And the uh, pilot helicopter, the um, pilot um, said um, after like a few minutes, everyone come back, yeah? the ice condition, it's uh, uh, going down, so um, going bad. So we need to leave now. So yeah, it, it was uh, working on the ice. It's always uh, challenging. Yeah? Oh yeah. and. How many people are usually kind of on a team? If if you're going in by helicopter, I can only imagine that there's not too many people. No, we were, uh, so we were the, so we had the helicopter and they were four in the tagging uh, team and I was in the, uh, uh, the only one doing acoustic. You know? So we were oh, six. Wow. So. Yeah. And the hooded seals are they they're are they aggressive are you know how far are you staying away from them when they're on the ice so they were not they didn't care really about me <laughs> so male didn't care at all they were more interested to go closer to a female a hooded seal female female with it um, the thing is the uh, female were more aggressive I would say because they were with a pup song and mm -hmm. so they were pretty defensive of them um, and it's actually interesting to to watch the interaction interaction between the the female and the male because the male try to come closer to the female um, but mm -hmm. not too close because if it's going too close it will be like attacked or the female would start to to move near to him trying to push him away or attack him so it's kind of like um, going the closest that's possible but not too close oh. right uh, and because uh, a male is attending near to the female because it's uh, just waiting but the female she's uh, she stopped uh, the lactation and so he can mate some so it's okay. just attending him and what is like so their lactation is only a couple of days and how long is are they kind of how long is their gestation uh so if i remember correctly uh, <laughs> i think it's <laughs> nine months of gestation but they have like oh, okay. what we call a diopause of uh, three months so it's uh one year oh, okay but, wow uh, it's uh but it's actually just yeah just like uh, the um because they mate in march and the the pupping is uh, in march as well right and do they how many pups does a female usually have only one. Oh, okay. 
Okay. And I'm assuming that the male doesn't stay with the female and the pup. No, <laughs> no, no, no. The, the male stay near to the female, but not because it's the dad from the previous year. It's just because it's attending for matting. Yeah? Right, right. Okay. And how long does the pup stay with the mom? Uh, so only the uh, three to four days of lactation. Huh? Oh, okay. And after and that, it's... the female leave them. And the pups oh. stay on the ice for like a few more days, maybe, uh, yeah, just time for them to uh, to be able to go in the water. And then they're on their own? Oh, yeah. <laughs> At like five days old? Oh, yeah, yeah, they are, yeah. And they, and they, does the mom teach them how to hunt and everything or they're just, they figure it out? No, they would figure. <laughs> that, that seems like a really young age to be swimming around <laughs> the Arctic by yourself. I know it's, yeah, it's kind of a very interesting species. Um, but uh, yeah, it's how it was. You, when you are on the ice, you can see a lot of, um, um pup by themselves <laughs> just like because the nursing period is down so it's just like the mother left huh? wow and what do the hooded seals eat a uh, fish huh? several uh, fish species huh? i don't remember exactly which one though. wow and so then the five-day-old pup will go into the ocean and catch fish uh, after a few days, because the thing is, you need to realize that during the uh, four days of lactation, the pups is uh, doubling his, uh, his size. Yeah, <laughs> it's I become guess so. like a, a small, uh, small barrel, you know, just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they have some um, uh, fat content, so they can survive for a few days. Huh, oh, I guess so. Them. Right. So they're they're fat enough that. When the oh, mom yeah. leaves them on the ice, they could stay on the ice for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. That just, that seems really crazy that they're that young. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow. And what, like, in terms of this research with the hooded seals, is where do you see this going? Where do you want to take this project of yours? Uh, one day, uh, if possible, uh, the idea would be maybe to go to another location to figure if the uh, underwater acoustic repertoire is different. So, so we can mm -hmm. do some comparison between audit seal from, for example, from in the Gulf versus the audit seals um, that are more like on the um, uh, near to Yan um, Mayen. So yeah. just like. Try, yeah, because it could help if we um, record who did see it to figure it, where they are coming from. Right. So it would be one thing. The other one will be using some uh, hydrophones to, that has already been uh, deployed. Um, so collecting some data from previous uh, research see if we can find audit seals in those data sets and trying to figure the migration using those. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, some project that would be interesting to work on. Oh, um, wow. And but, are the hooded seals only in the North Atlantic? Yes. Okay, okay. So it's kind of like a, a controlled area that you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's not like you've got some somewhere else that you have to compare to and oh, wow. And 
I mean, I guess with, we hear so much about changes in the Arctic and ice and all of that. Do you see climate change potentially affecting this population or your research in general? Uh, um, could affect the population if the uh, seals don't have access to some good ice condition to to pup to right. give birth or even to mate. Well, actually, mm-hmm. they mate in the water, but they need to go on the on the ice for the pupping. So yes, it could affect the population for for those. Um, for us, climate change could affect. Uh, the way that we are collecting data, because if ice condition go down, we cannot use the helicopter, <laughs> so right. it's become more difficult, you know, to access to the animals. Uh, the other thing, it's um, uh, the climate change could also affect the timing of spatial distribution of uh, the species. So you need to to uh, keep that in mind when you. Um, plan your field work you know, to right. deploy to some location or at some period of the year. Oh yeah. Wow. I yeah, I guess like it doesn't only affect the animals, it also affects you trying to collect that data because you are very dependent on the ice conditions. Yeah. Okay. Wow. For for those kind of project, for the other project but where you go and deploy some um some mooring so yeah with uh, hydrophones on them uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't you you use um, a vessel so you don't need to have the helicopter <laughs> so <laughs> it's, you can deploy during the summer for example and the um, the instrument is going to record for a year so it's not a really an issue with the climate change because you don't have the um, impact of ice on them. You can go during the summer and retrieve during the summer. And that wraps up episode 17. I hope that you enjoyed. I hope you learned something. I hope that you go and hit follow on whatever platform you're listening to this on, as well as on social media so that you can stay updated for all the upcoming episodes, see all the resources, and I will see you next week for another episode.